Hello, welcome back to Division One Rejects, episode 122. Solo show tonight for the kid. I'm Kobe Manzo, your host. I'm joined tonight by a man who made some waves in D2 football when he announced his decision to transfer from Colorado Mesa. That being Karst Hunter, the quarterback, who is now at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. That's IUP for you casuals out there. Uh, in the PSAC. Big-time move for him. Big-time move for D2 football. Excited to have him join us here in a little bit. Tonight's August 24th. We're about a week away from the D2 football slate of things. Uh, maybe even less, to be honest with you. We've got some Week 0 matchups to preview as far as big college football goes. Uh, but also some Division 2 power rankings. We've got NAIA Top 25 rankings. And then, if you saw on the socials, our Twitter and Instagram accounts, some small school selections for the Reese's Senior Bowl. They dropped their watch list. That was chock full of a ton of talent for all the way from FBS all the way down to some D3 selections. So we've got, uh, I believe it was five D2 and two D3 selections on that list that we'll cover later in this episode. Uh, but like I said, a little bit of a lighter day today. I'm just excited because very soon here, we get into the season, the content's going to write itself for me. And toying with some ideas, I want to hear from you guys, uh, whether it be on the socials, whether it be on YouTube, shoot us a DM, an email, text me, I don't care, uh, about covering content during the season because I'd love to be a place on our socials where we can retweet and repost things about score updates from different games like all across the country at the D2, D3, and NAIA levels. So uh, any ideas on that, definitely hit me uh, with those because I'd love to be a spot where we can start to support and really promote a lot of these different squads, um, almost like a game day or score update center. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Ideas in the very rough stages right now. If you got an idea for something, let a brother know. Help me out. But otherwise, uh, you can watch this episode on YouTube. If you are, fast forward to any part of that conversation that sounds remotely interesting. Use the chapters, the timestamps, whatever you want to call them at the bottom of the video. Those are on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, all those timestamps. So make sure to check those out. Fast forward any part of the conversation. Otherwise, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on TikTok. Hit the subscribe button. That's all the promo I got. That's it. Let's get into that conversation with Karst, the new man over at IUP. Join the show tonight. A man who made some waves in the D2 football world back in April when he made the decision, very LeBron-esque. Uh, he didn't go to Miami, though. He left Colorado Mesa in favor of IUP, the former RMAC freshman of the year. He threw for over 4,500 yards in only 18 games. I don't know how to do that math right off the top of my head, but it's a lot for the Mavericks. Now at IUP, it's Karst Hunter. What's going on, man? Not much, just hanging out. Uh, excited to be here. Excited to get on the show and Love it. you know to talk some ball. Hell yeah! You didn't do any like LeBron decision day, none of that shenanigans, huh? No, no, I kind of just <laughs> kept it low key. I didn't do any of that. That's the way to do it. I just gotta, you know. Hey, some guys, some guys like it like that. I feel like with commitments and all that shit right now, like that is getting out of hand. I don't know if you're seeing all the new ways that dudes are announcing where they're going to school, but. It's ridiculous right now. Uh, yeah, the announcements, commitment videos, the edits, all that. It's getting crazy. The crazy thing, too, crazy. is, like, the media departments around, the like, the country are just like, please, no more. <laughs> like, because they're, they're making up all these videos, and then you know 80% of them are just not being used ever. Yeah, for sure. That is the worst. But um, how's the energy down there, Pennsylvania? You guys picked to repeat, I'm sure. Not a surprise um, to that squad, to you guys, but uh, a pretty welcome expectation heading into this year, huh? Yeah, energy's up. Um, it has been since the summertime, and then fall camp started. We just got on fall camp uh, the other day. But, I mean, the energy's up. Everyone's locked in. We're ready to go. 
um, ready to get back to it. Um, we returned a lot of people, got some guys back, got some new guys in the in the building. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we're just excited to get going, get start playing games, and you know, see what we can do with it. Yeah, and you were just saying before we got started, like you had never been over to that east side, and so getting down there, and you said June, it's gonna be uh, you know good to get at least acclimated a little bit. It's not like you're moving to Siberia, but it's it's definitely a little different. Yeah, it is a little different. Um, I mean, 19 hours from home. So, I mean, yeah. I had to get up here, get moved in, um, you know, meet people, meet the coaches, get around the coaches, more players, you know, just get the chemistry down. And like you said, acclimated to the area and everything about it. Yeah, man. Now, before we get to talk about uh, the move from Mesa a little bit, let's talk a bit about your journey as a whole. Saw, obviously, out of high school, South Dakota State, um, played a bit of wide receiver over there. Talk to me about that. And, and that process, because, um, you know, looking where you're at now, maybe not the, the most normal of progressions. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of what I had to do um, at that time, um, you know, with the COVID year happening uh, after my freshman year. So going into my sophomore year, we had that COVID deal. We had to play in the spring for FCS. So a lot of things were happening. And, you know, we just had some spots open and some guys, you know, that were gone. And I just filled in, you know, at first it was just to like fill in to just like keep the keep the momentum going and being able to have guys on the field yeah, yeah, gotcha. to like gain a spot. But then they pulled me in and they asked me to kind of do this Taysom Hill role. And I was like, you know what, I'll do it. You know, whatever I got to do to help the team. So yep. then next fall camp and then next season, I just kind of did a little bit of everything, special teams, wide receiver, quarterback, you know, just kind of wherever they needed me and did that. And I mean, it was fun, you know, at the end of the day, it was just playing football. Um, but I mean, it was interesting for sure. I never played wide receiver before, but it was really? fun. It was just, like you're a little kid again, just having fun. The Taysom Hill roll, the Swiss Army knife of college football or professional football, I guess, however you, you look at it. Yeah, it's, I feel like that's, that'd be interesting, right? Like just not really sure what's going to be asked of you this week. I'd imagine you were probably the guy too, and uh, maybe like you know, I try to think like scout teams, right? When you're coming up and you know a team's got a really good wide receiver, like you'd be the dude with the penny on trying to, to be that guy in practice. Is that how it was going? I wasn't. I wasn't that guy, but okay. you know, my best to be that guy. Um, I see you. I was, just, I was just there if they needed me. Um, you know, I just I, I I played my role and did what we had to do. That's the correct. That's the the politically correct answer. That's good. <laughs> I respect that. Um, but talking about you know the move over to Mesa, that process. What were your he expectations heading over there? Because obviously you identify that as a place where wanting to get back to being under center, to being the quarterback, being that guy for a team, you identify that as a spot where you think you can come in and compete for that job. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you kind of hit it on the head. Um, I wanted to go just somewhere new, um, you know, kind of start over a little bit, go back to my quarterback role, get under center, do what I wanted to do, um, what I've always wanted to do, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I saw Mace as a spot to do that um, after my sophomore year. I went over there. I knew a couple of coaches on the staff already. And actually, one of my teammates from South Dakota State also transferred that year. And he ended Sweet. up in okay. before me. Um, so he was kind of the guy to get me over there. So I already knew a guy, knew a couple of coaches, um, felt comfortable, went over there and got back under center and got comfortable and just kind of did my thing. You did a little bit more than your thing, brother. You had a, you had a couple really solid years over there, all right? You set three single-season records. Hey, you get to be the humble one, and I get to – that's how it is every time. And I, I appreciate guys like you that come on here and talk like that because those are the dudes that you want to play with, right? Like you don't want someone to come on here and start touting accolades, but 
respectfully, that's my job, right? Because I get to have really talented dudes on the show all the time. Three single-season records at Mesa. You guys put together that hell of a year in 21 and then didn't experience probably the success you wanted to build off that in 22. Um, just from an outsider's perspective, you know, talk about your experience there. Obviously have a lot of great memories with those guys, that staff, that roster. Yeah. Um, I loved it. And they said, you know, those two years I was there, uh, we had a really good team in 21. Uh, we were uh, really put together top to bottom, great coaching staff, all that had a great year. Barely missed the playoffs. Had a couple games that could have went our way in the season. I was gonna say eight and two. Not to cut you off, eight and two, and you don't even get a shot. That was, I was looking at that. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, we were kind of thinking that too. Um, I mean, we had probably one game for sure that I mean we had beaten double overtime by three mm -hmm. um, game early in the year that we saw as we should have won, but you know it, the cards fell where they did, and you know we didn't make it. Uh, we had a good year though, and then after that season, we got a whole new coaching staff. Uh, lost a lot of players. Had to kind of go through a lot of changes and then that next year um, we still had a solid team just you know there's a lot of changes a lot of new faces a lot of new things going on I don't think everyone's on the same page but you know we were competitive in a lot of games um, we lost some close ones that kind of were 50 50 at the end um, last minute drives last second drives game winning touchdowns type stuff so mm. um, not as successful of the year but something that they can build on for sure um, going into this next season yeah that's big now when do you remember sitting down and like first contemplating the idea of hitting the portal because obviously being a guy for a program like that, the guy, I guess I should say, like not only do you know like how that's going to affect your life, your career, your family, your immediate friends, those type of things. But um, I think a big part of that too is your, the perception of your teammates, right? And, and thinking about those guys that you've been through those last couple of years with. Um, and obviously those opinions, I would assume weighed heavy on you. So when do you remember sitting down and kind of contemplating that for the first time? Yeah. Um, you know, I was close to a lot of dudes um, out of Mesa. Uh, met some of my best friends out there. Still talk to them to this day, every day. You know, we stay in touch about season, football, life, everything. Um, but it, it really kind of came to me um, right before Christmas break um, or on Christmas break, I guess. Okay. Like at the beginning, I was kind of sitting down with my family, kind of talking. Um, I kind of kept to myself for a while, kind of just in my own head. And I started talking to my parents about it. And I just knew I was going to graduate in May. Um, so I kind of wanted to be transparent about it with the coaches and with the team. I didn't want to leave them stuck in a hole and not have nowhere to go. Um, so I was trying to make my decision, you know, as soon as possible with that to kind of give them time to, you know, figure it out for them. Um, so when I got back um, from Christmas break, I went in, I met with the head coach. We talked for a while and it was just what was best for me at the time, what I thought was best for me. And, you know, I just was very transparent with them. They respected my decision. Um, I, I mean, I stayed in contact with them. I called them over the break and kind of told them where I was at with my head and everything to kind of let them know. So it wasn't like a blindside decision. Good. They knew it kind of going in. Uh, and then when I got back, we had a meeting and it's just what I decided to do. Yeah. And it felt like just reading what I could, that it was a pretty amicable process. Like it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't a blindside where all of a sudden coach is looking at his phone. He's like, you know, what the hell does Cars want? Like whatever. And then he's like, Oh shit. Like what phone drop type moment. Um, yeah. So that's, that's obviously the, the best way to go about it. Now, approaching that conversation with your coach, too, I feel like that's something that, um, for a lot of guys, is, is difficult. Because like you said, probably, you know, in your opinion, the best thing for you to do in that situation at that time in your life. But um, I can't find or I can't even imagine a coach that wants to lose their starting dude after a couple of years like that. So um, definitely a bittersweet piece. 
Yeah, it was it was a tough little conversation. Um, I mean, I talked to my head coach and my quarterback coach and offense coordinator, quarterback coach, offense wow. coordinator, okay. same thing. But um, I mean, I had conversations with both of them, and you know, I just kind of talked why I was making the decision and why I thought it was best for me. And you know, they gave in their two cents, but they weren't trying to convince me one way or another. Um, they let okay. me do my own decision. Uh, they kind of said, like, you know, you you're old enough to make your own decisions. We don't got to babysit you a little bit. So I mean, they were very. Love it. Uh, yeah, um, you know, I love that. They're very respectful about it. Um, we had conversations, and, you know, that's just what it kind of came down to. It was a tough convo for sure. Like you said, you know, no one really wants to leave um, when you're in a situation like that. But, um, you know, I was very transparent with them, and they respected that, and I respected them for respecting yeah. me. <laughs> On the flip side of that, though, like coming out of that, uh, it feels like a silver lining. I'm, I'm good at silver lines, I think, for the most part. That part of the year as far as getting into the portal is probably the best time to do it, especially in going into that holiday break, like you said, and having those conversations, because now not only are you in a position where you have time to weigh your options, to pursue different leads and try and figure out what that next step is going to be for you. The team as in Mesa has a chance to go and evaluate their quarterback room. Hey, do we have a guy that, you know, can come in and fill that role? How are we going to, um, you know, replicate that success or do we need to go out and, you know, and, outsource and, and bring in somebody else with much like an IUP did this year and has done in years in the past. So it feels like at the end of the day, that was kind of a, a best of, of both worlds as far as that's the best way this case scenario could have gone. Yeah. And that's kind of why I decided to do it when I did, I didn't want to, I don't want to lead anybody on. I don't want to lead uh, Mesa on. I didn't want to lead the coaches, the players, nothing. So I was trying to make my decision as fast as possible for the exact reasons you just said. And, you know, going into spring ball, um, I kind of thought about, hey, let's let's do spring ball, you know, keep doing football, keep getting reps and all that. But I was like, I'm just going to be taking reps from yep. um, these other guys. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to decide as soon as possible so I can let them be leaders, let them kind of go into that role and see what they can do and have spring ball and so they can get all the reps and get ready. Yeah, that's the right way to look at it. And I know those guys, um, as much as it probably – you know, pains them to lose you. They are definitely appreciating that experience because you can't you can't replicate those reps, especially like knowing um, it's a mindset thing. Because yeah, they're going to get reps either way in the spring, but it's you know they're getting reps thinking ah, I might be the two or whatever competing for a job, and now they're like oh shit, like I might be the one outright. So getting in that headspace and that mindset is just as important. But um, I won't make you talk about transferring anymore. That's that's enough. We can, we can put it behind <laughs> us. Let's talk about IUP. What made the Crimson Hawks the right fit? Um, I would assume it goes along the lines of 10 and two in a playoff win. I mean, I, I have a strong case for That's it. it. Um, seeing the culture, seeing the history that they've had here, especially under coach Tort and in recent history, not just over the span of many years, like yep. in the past five years, they've been very successful. They've brought in dues. They've had a team, they have a culture. Um, they, they bring local guys in and they, do with they win with what they got you know they don't they're not a team that goes out and gets 30 transfers you know they they build their guys up they have a culture here they got a family here uh, I fell in love with it right away when I came out here on my visit I just connected with the coaches connected with how they do the offense and everything kind of just felt like I was at home and you know it kind of I don't want to say a blindside of me to choose here but um you know I just it was a gut feeling and I fell in love with this place when I got out here and you know it never left my mind when I was going through my decisions yeah I love that, man. You know, you talk about building up their guys. They certainly have done that with a ton of positions. But, uh, you know, quarterback recent history, 
maybe not one of them. You're not the first grad transfer quarterback to come in and hopefully have a lot of success for them. I'm talking about uh, last year for them, Max Sexton, he was on a tear with those guys. Yeah. 33 touchdown passes, a PSAC championship MVP. Uh, I already talked about the record. Some big shoes to fill. They obviously know that you're the guy for the job over there. Yeah, um, I mean, I've, I've watched stuff about Sexton. Um, I mean, I watched film from last year, watched the games, looked up some stuff about him, you know, watched his game, how he is, where he's from and all that, um, just like all the other quarterbacks that have been here in mm-hmm. recent years. But, you know, I all the game film we got from last year is from him. We're two – we're kind of two different – totally different players a little bit. Okay. Um, he has a different style of play than I do, but, you know, he got to get the job done. And he got the job done last year, you know, like you said, 10-2, and PSAC ship. Um, couple playoff wins. He did his thing, and he led the team. And you know, I, I got to come in and do the same thing. I don't look at it as a challenge. You know, I got my way of doing it, and I'm gonna do it how we got to do it to win. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Now you're technically a grad transfer, but still two years, right? Eligibility wise. Yeah, two years left. Big time, dude. That's crazy. And I'm assuming that's that's COVID year, correct? Uh, yeah. So redshirt my first year, and then COVID. So yeah. yeah. How old are you right now? 22. 22. Okay. I got you. Because I always think, like, you got some dudes, man, that are getting some years out of this. They are milking <laughs> it. They are milk. I always go back to my man, Yale. I've talked about it a couple times on this on this show, man. He was about to be 27 playing wide receiver for us uh, a few years back. That's, that, that's too old, man. I always I go back to Yale, man. You hear stories about dudes coming back from the Army and coming back from this and that and just having more. But this man never went, no, just, just took every year of college football he could get. Hey, stay in college as long as you can. You yeah, know? exactly, man. Um, but what was it like? We talked about uh, you getting down there. You said in like June in the summertime to, to get down and get acclimated with the area. Uh, have to imagine in the grand scheme of things, that was nice to start working on that chemistry with the guys, to be around them. Obviously, on and off the field, uh, that is important, especially for a quarterback to be around for a dude that you want to be a leader for the squad that, um, one, that you're around them, you start throwing balls, getting out in the field and, and developing that chemistry. But also, like, if you want to be a leader, like, earning these guys' trust, earning their respect, and, and just being around them in different capacities, right? Yeah, that's totally – that's kind of the main reason I came out here. Um, for the, what you just said, you know, I was out here throwing routes. We came through routes during the week, lifted together, worked out together, hung out together. Good. Did everything in the summer together. You know, we hung out. There ain't much to do. In the summertime, there's no one on campus, so you kind of just got to hang out with your guys. And we learned about each other and just did what we had to do. And, you know, I just wanted to get chemistry down and get close. So when the season came, it's not like I didn't know who they were. You know, we're joking around, having fun. And it's not like I'm trying to learn everybody because I I know everybody anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's big time. It's like uh, like freshman camp. Like tries get, guys try to get up here a little early for camp because especially for a freshman, I mean, you come into camp as a freshman. One, it's like trying to learn like what is this whole college deal, and then on top of that, you got to learn all these a hundred some dudes and like how you fit in on a team and like going to all this shit. So I imagine in some ways very much the same, in some ways very different for you being on the other side of that. For sure, yeah. It's just it's very similar. You know, I mean, okay. I'm older. I've- I am um, grad transfer, so I've been a freshman. Like I already know how things just kind of go in college football. But mm. I mean, learning everybody's name is the same thing. You come into a new team, and everyone knows your name because you're only one guy. And then you got to learn 95 other dudes' names, and some of them have nicknames. And so some people, <laughs> and you got to like learn what their real name is for their nickname. And you know, it just takes time. But the more you're with them, I mean, fall camp with each other every day, so it's not that hard. But you just learn and learn, and it becomes easy. A nickname you're familiar with, Sibo? 
Is that Sibo, yeah. yep? Bring Sibo, a Sebo over with you. That being uh, Sebastian Campbell, that was a pretty smooth transition on my part. I'll take I'll take that one. Um, but pretty cool <laughs> to bring one of your guys over from Mesa. I think you're damn near like Aaron Rodgers status. Just gonna bring the whole crew and company over with you on the move. Yeah, just bring them all over. You know, get as many guys. <laughs> uh, Lazard, no, Cobb, all the boys coming with you. That's uh, that's Sebo. But really, like, it, I had to imagine that's pretty sweet to have him come over there and just a familiar face, someone who you're, uh, like I said, familiar throwing the rock to. Yeah, it's nice. Um, you know, we've been best friends ever since I got to Mesa. I mean, we live together out there. And, okay. you know, we really plan on both coming out to IUP when we yeah. both ended. Um, it just kind of happened to be that way. It was um, I liked them the best. And then when I committed, you know, I kind of threw my two cents in of why IUP is the school to go to. And then he still kind of went through his decision making and he did his thing. And then, you know, it kind of came down to he was like, you know, I'm, I'm coming to IUP because it was the best oh, yeah. school for him. And ended up that we both came out here and it's 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 good to have him out here. It's, I bet, dude. You committed, signed the paper, and then all of a sudden you turn into a recruider immediately. Just like turn to. the hat around. Yeah. <laughs> Had to. I love had that, to. dude. Um, as far as the season goes this year, I always ask guys that we'll be asking about like marquee matchups down the season, down looking, you know, a couple weeks ahead. And I always get the coach speak of, you know, we're looking one game at a time, whatever. So we're just going to talk about your opener. That way we don't, we can, yeah. we can dodge all that, right? Um, your opener is a big one. Solid test for you guys out of the gate. Home opener versus Ashland. IUP beat them 19 13 last year. Ashland put together a hell of a year out of the GMAC, uh, first round of the playoffs. Everyone's been focused this offseason about what the Eagles have lost, whether it be personnel-wise, either side of the ball, uh, coaching-wise, different positions where they need to shore things up. But, you know, that's still going to be a really great challenge for you guys. I'm talking about uh, some D2 power rankings uh, after this on this episode. And Ashland's going to be one of those 10 teams that we talk about. That team returns a lot. So I'm excited to see um, how you guys stack up and what that, uh, what that result's going to be, man. Yeah, we're excited. Like you said, you know, IUP played them last year in the playoffs, beat them 19-13. And I think Coach Coach Torrey kind of mentioned the other day, you know, the last three or four times that IUP has played Ashland, we've we've kind of we've got the got the chalk on them is what we kind of say. Like we've kind of had our way. Um so they're gonna come in and bring their best and we know they are. It's the home opener, it's gonna be crazy, everyone's gonna be fine, energy's gonna be up, but you know, they're going to bring their best and they're a really good football team. Um, like you said, I mean, a lot of people are talking about what they lost and the changes and this and that. But when you're as good of a football team as they are like that, you know, they, they're going to return guys and they're still going to be a legit D2 program. And that's just kind of how it is. And kind of the same way it goes with us. We lost some dudes, but we bring a lot of dudes back. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's going to be a head-to-head matchup at the beginning of the year to start it off. And I wouldn't want it any, I wouldn't want it any other way to go against a team like Ashton and a top-ranked team um and see what we can do absolutely i think people forget too like that's a team that's not in the grand scheme of things not very far removed from a couple gliac championships uh they made that move to the gmac a few years back but i mean that was a team that was right up there with the grand valley with the fair estates of the world like I, you know a new whole set of players are coming in through that roster but um you know the, the pedigree and the integrity of, of that program is is still there i have to feel like uh there's a sense that IUP is is in that very same boat of you know there are some some lofty expectations because of the success we've had in the past and now just taking that head on yeah I mean there's a lot of people talking about um, the expectations of IUP in the season that we had last year and some people think that you know we should have went or we should have went farther and kind of won a couple more games and you know we look at it the same way Um, you know we we feel like we left a couple out there 
And, you know, that's, we kind of forget about it now, like, cool, learn from it. We had this season last year, but, you know, this year doesn't really matter. No one really talks about that season anymore because this season's up. So what can you do with this season? What can you do with this team? Like, we can't just live in the past and say, oh, we should have done this. You know, like, we got this new team. We got these players. And now it's time to play football in 2023. And, you know, you got to take it game by game. And Oh, yeah. Live to there it is. Life. There it is. Game it by is. game. We, ah, yep, I got your ass. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I said it before. I knew it was coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cars, man, you guys are going to do a lot this year. I'm excited to see you at the helm of that offense. Uh, obviously, a lot of great pieces around you. You guys are, are poised for a big one. You got yourself a fan and me over here. Um, appreciate you coming on tonight. That's all I got for you, brother. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It was fun of being course. here. Talking. Have a good one, man. Yeah, you too. See you later. Appreciate Cars for joining me tonight. And... uh I did catch his ass at the end there. I knew every time you ask about the season, it's one game at a time, you know, man. It's not just you, Karst. All right, it's everyone. I just, I now I'm going to start calling him out, though. When I start getting the coach speak on the show, I'm going to start calling your ass out. So come on here. You best come prepared because I am going to call you out. I'm going to get you on that. But let's talk some Division Two power rankings. Uh, pretty sweet stuff here. Of course, the man, Wayne Cavati, he provides these rankings. This was tweeted out by NCAA Division II earlier today. Just wanted to go over this. Uh, Not a whole lot of surprises in this list. I guess maybe a couple because it is just a top 10. So this really is the upper echelon of Division II football as a whole. The top two guys, I mean, not really surprising here. Number one, Ferris State. Number two, Grand Valley State. That seems to be the consensus across most of these different polls. Ferris, two-time national defending champion and... Grand Valley State, the only team to beat them in the last two years, that being for a GLIAC championship last year. So those two spots kind of write themselves. Uh, as far as what happens with these two teams specifically, we talk a lot about Ferris in the show. I mean, you have to. Quarterbacks coming back, Malik Mitchell, Carson Golker. Uh, Malik, obviously a really great athlete, can sling it too. Carson Golker has a nose for the end zone, set an NCAA record for rushing touchdowns by a quarterback last year. I don't even remember what the number was. It was absurd. 31. 31 touchdowns as a redshirt freshman last year. He's got a lot of playing left in him. They open this season a week from today against Mercyhurst, uh, but they do have a trip to FCS opponent Montana and then a big non-conference test um, at Ashland before they open GLIAC play. So uh, while the opener, that Mercyhurst game, might be literally 70 to nothing, they are going to have some really competitive bouts as they get into more of the regular season. That Montana game is exciting, man. That is a really exciting prospect. There's always, I mean, there's conversation every year around college football. Oh, could this could this uh, group of five team beat the FBS team? Could this D2 team beat this low-level D1, D3, you know, the crossover, right? We get to see it. Ferris State, probably the best, arguably the best Division II team in the country right now, gets to play Montana, who, you know, maybe I wouldn't consider them a power right now. That being Montana State, you call them a power in the FCS world. Uh, but Montana still very respectable program. Very excited to see what happens there, especially going out to Montana for that trip. It might be different if they're coming over to Big Rapids, but um, very excited to see what that game entails. Number two, Grand Valley State. They did lose some big time pieces. We talked a lot about that. The transfer portal. They lose their two best pass catchers. They go and lose some other pieces on defense. Um, Tariq Reed, their running back, entered the portal, ended up coming back, so they get him back. Abe Swanson, one of our D1R athletes, is kind of the face of that squad right now. So uh, shout-out to Abe. He's poised to have a really big year. They also bring back Cade Peterson, uh, their quarterback. That's probably some of the bigger names you're going to hear a lot of this year. Um, 
As always, too, though, there's going to be other guys that step up and make some big-time plays. we got another D1R athlete from GV, that being Jack Gilchrist in the defensive line. That's a guy who I think has sneakily put up some good numbers for them, been a really big role player, potentially have him have a breakout year on the defensive front. But the Lakers really, really have some some opportunity to have some big-time games. Um, the first one, talk about a Week 1 matchup against Colorado Mines. The team that was a national runner-up last year, the team that is uh, in the top five in just about every ranking, they play... Colorado Mines at Colorado Mines, I do believe. And then they come back home to play CSU Pueblo. Two really good games to start off the year for the Lakers. So excited about that. The top two teams in the country's guys, only, what was it, 65 miles apart. Pretty sweet. The Anchor Bone Classic this year is going to be really exciting. Number three, though, is Pittsburgh State. Uh, they went from 8-3 to 12-1 last year. 11-0 through MIAA play. They gave Ferris probably their best game of the year besides the Grand Valley loss, obviously. Uh, quarterback Chad Dotson Jr. is back. His favorite target, Devin Garrison, the best tight end in Division Two. a lot of people are saying, is also back. Uh, the defensive side, though, is probably where they're going to cause a lot of havoc for teams. Their offense, very respectable front, but that defense for them has been absolutely suffocating. Uh, they're leading tacklers. They're leading inter- they're the guys leading in interceptions, pass breakups. All of these con- really large contributing stat leaders are all back in 2023 for the Gorillas. And we did just add a D1R athlete from there as well. If you follow us on the socials, you saw that. Trace Jeffries, one of their offensive linemen uh, who was an All-American last year. So we're excited to have Trace be a part of this family and see what he and the Gorillas can do this year. Um, Moving on, though. Kind of just buzzed through these. Colorado School of Mines at number four. Again, not a whole lot of shockers, guys. I told you that. Not a lot of surprises. But just talking about them a little bit, the obvious one, the Harlan Hill winner last year, John Matoka back, and Max McLeod, his favorite target on that offense, back as well. That's going to be a very dangerous combo. A um, little bit of some changes in the offensive backfield. Maybe not as much depth on the offensive line as they would like, but I do believe they bring back some anchors defensively. And when you have... The quarterback position locked up with a guy like that. You know you're going to go far with the supporting cast they have over there. Um, the RMAC seems to be in their grasp. Number five, Northwest Missouri State, a team that has dominated Division Two for, shit, the better half of a decade. Um, it will be interesting to see their quarterback, Mike Owensee, back under center with his top two targets, him actually being the guy this year. I don't believe that was like quite a stenciled spot for him last year. Excited to see what he does under center for the Bearcats. They've got um, some really great conference play. You talk about another two teams right there, number three and number five in Northwest Missouri State and in Pittsburgh State in the MIAA. That's going to be some great competition. Number six is Minnesota State. We just had Trey Vavil on uh, from the Mavericks. That's a team that returns a lot. 2019 national runner-up, that was the kind of the last time they made it to that, that final season. They did make it to the postseason last year. They finished with six straight wins in the regular season. Over three top 25 teams ended up losing to that Mines team. But when you look at that game, Minnesota State, I do believe, was out early. And Mines clawed their way back into it. That could have been a very different playoffs if the Mavericks end up pulling that one out. Uh, another team from the NSIC, that being Bemidji State at number seven. Again, where does it start? Quarterback, Brandon Alt, the NSIC Player of the Year last year. He is certainly something. Um, they also bring back, obviously, a ton of other pieces. The Beavers had, uh, I think, a little bit of an unsuspecting season last year. Not that anyone thought they were going to be terrible. They just came out and started winning some games that started to raise some eyebrows. So, much higher expectations for them heading into this year. Number eight is Washita Baptist. That's a squad for me that is 
interesting. Uh, they graduate a few big pieces. I don't think that will change their overall look. But for me, it just they're kind of far and away being in the GAC. To just to me, like you talk about these teams. You know, think about the teams we just talked about. We've gone through seven teams. Six of them belong to three conferences, right? So we have two in the GLIAC, two in the NSIC, two in the MIAA, and now you had one in the RMAC, now one in the GAC. And that, to me, is just one reason to not to doubt, right? I'm not saying putting that word out there, but just to be skeptical of Washita. That would be kind of my pick as, you know, they've been they've outperformed any expectations last year. Um, so I certainly don't want to doubt them. Number nine is in Ashland, a team we talked about today a little bit because they opened with IUP against Karst Hunter and company. Ashland does lose a lot, especially a new head coach, Doug Geezer. And the Eagles had one of the best defenses in D2 football last year. They do graduate quite a few, but they bring back some guys that are, you know, pretty important. All GMAC selections, defensive end Jeffrey Barnett, and uh, also linebacker Jackson Myers. They're coming back to anchor that defensive front. Um a big piece of them, too. Running backs. Larry Martin, uh, Giovanni Washington in the backfield. Those two guys have been absolutely dynamic for the Eagles. Excited to see that. Number 10, Indiana, Pennsylvania, IUP again. So we're talking about a top 10 matchup right there. Week 1, Ashland versus IUP. Um, and then also with Mines and Grand Valley. Week 1 is going to be exciting, Division 2 football-wise, guys. Very exciting. A lot of stuff right there. And then I can touch on it here uh, from Wayne's list. The first five out would have been Angelo State, Delta State, Harding, Virginia Union, and West Florida. So those two Gulf South powerhouses, those are the ones I was expecting one of those to be in the top 10, as much hype as both West Florida and Delta State have made, excuse me, uh, with Shegog and Peewee uh, at the helm of both those at the quarterback position, respectively. West Florida's added a lot in the transfer portal. Delta State just returns so much. Um, Virginia Union, you got to talk about Jada Byers, probably the best running back in, in D2. But, you know, Angelo State always in that conversation. But, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on D2, guys. We can move on, though. Let's talk uh, some NAIA. Top 25 rankings for NAIA football came out. Just wanted to touch on these a little bit because I feel like we don't get enough NAIA love on this show sometimes. But, you know, I want to show up. Looking at this list, again, preseason rankings, guys, there's not going to be a lot of surprises. Northwestern and Morningside from the GPAC, they line the top of this list over there in Iowa. You got Grandview and Marion, Kaiser, Lindsey Wilson, Indiana Wesleyan's tied for six, kind of a notable spot. Uh, Bethel, St. Thomas, Benedictine, uh, the other Bethel, and uh, Georgetown, College of Idaho. That kind of rounds out that first 13 right there, all teams that are probably going to be in contention for the national title when it's all said and done. But, yeah, I mean, looking at this list, I wouldn't say – Really a ton of surprises. Looking at Midland at 23, that's maybe a little bit of a surprise for some. Dort at number 16, maybe they're pegged to have a pretty big year, especially in that conference. It's going to be tough for them to carve their way out of that. Um, But when you're you're a team like Dort, all it takes is one win, man. One winning is the quality opponent, and all of a sudden you are propelled up those rankings. Reinhardt, let's see, Montana Wesleyan... St. Xavier's on that list. Concordia, Dickinson State rounds out the 25th spot. So make sure to check out NAI football on Twitter. They do a lot of great coverage on this. Um, and they're very specific to NAI football, obviously. So if you come here for some NAI news, they're a great plug. Shout out to those guys. Um, they do a great job in covering all that stuff. But looking over at the Week 0 games now, college football-wise, and when I say college football, I mean D1, FBS ball. This is the Week 0 slate for us. 
guys, and it's headlined by a couple contests. You see the little green squares there notifying the the ranked teams, the first of which being uh, USC. They've got San Jose State, who out of are they in the Mountain West or something like that, I, I believe, potentially a pretty strong team this year, San Jose State, but again, it's USC. I doubt that'll be anything crazy. Same thing goes for Notre Dame and Navy. I guess that's technically a rivalry game. Am I the only one who didn't know that? Notre Dame Navy is is a rivalry game. The the you know the, the schedule and the record is pretty lopsided. Notre Dame's picked heavy in that one. Uh, some more exciting games though, as far as competition wise go, like they should be good contests. You've got Ohio versus San Diego State. You got UTEP versus Jacksonville State, and then you've got uh, let's see here Hawaii Vanderbilt, UMass North uh, New Mexico State, and then uh, Florida International and uh, Louisiana Tech. So a good spread there too. Two thirty. All the way to 9 p.m. We've got it covered. Uh, week zero is going to be fun. It's going to be fun to have football back on the TV, man. Super fun. Especially now, like, you get a little bit of that fall weather. You're just, you ever just, you're just walking around and you get a little, you can almost smell it. That sounds weird. But you can. You feel it. You can almost smell it. Like, man, like, football needs to be back. And it is. Check that out. Football is back. We're excited for it, man. Finally, though. Wrap it up today. It's going to be a relatively short pod. Uh, the Reese's Senior Bowl. They announced their watch list. And for those not familiar, the Reese's Senior Bowl is basically like the biggest bowl at the end of the year um, for draft-eligible players to go and compete to try and raise their draft stock. They get coached by uh, current NFL staffs in the bowl game. And pretty sweet here. If you see our graphic that we posted out on Twitter, we had seven small school products make the watch list, five of them being from the Division II level, two from the Division III level. And when you go through the list, talking about some of these guys, we've highlighted a lot of them. We just had Trey from Minnesota State on uh, last week on the podcast, the defensive back and uh, specialist from the Mavericks, poised to have a huge year. Then you go uh, on the defensive line from East Stroudsburg here with Deshaun McCarthy. That's a guy who has been raking in all kinds of preseason awards over there in the PSAC. They didn't have the year last year, Stroudsburg didn't, that I think they wanted to. Um, their schedule is pretty front-heavy this year. I'm excited to see what they do with that. Moving down the line, though, Grant Smith from uh, South Dakota Mines, hard rocker football at the offensive line. You've got uh, Blazik from uh, wisconsin Platteville. Talk about a dude who's been making some preseason awards. This guy is on every watch list under the sun. Deservedly so. He's got the frame to go play at the next level, excuse me, and has put up a lot of the stats. He's had the production to go do so as well. So excited to see him. He's on the, in the orange there, right in the middle. You see that, the Reese's Bowl. Try to get a little orange jersey out of him. I mean, I'm crafty with the graphics a little bit, guys. Um, talking another D3 guy, though. Quick Six Wayne, that being Wayne Ruby from Mount Union. Another guy who all these guys at their respective levels are talked about at nauseum. For good reason. Like, these guys all make the watch list because they're great players, great athletes. And then uh, finally here, Andre Jefferson from Lenore Ryan, the defensive lineman there. And uh, we've got Willie, uh, Willie Drew, I believe, from Virginia State. So that rounds out that list. Um, Willie Drew, another guy who uh, Virginia State's put out a couple pretty big names in the last year. Darius Haggins, that running back, or Hagens, excuse me, um, last year from, I don't know if that's the Warriors can't really tell. Uh, but that squad's put out some pretty decent names. They've been out putting some solid talent over there. So excited to see what goes on with that. And uh, how many guys end up actually making the Senior Bowl will be another thing because um, they obviously are very selective in that process. So we'll see. Maybe we'll have some more Division Two or Division Three presence in that bowl game. I know D3, what, three guys, uh, Quinn and Mears was 
was someone that made that bowl. That's kind of where he got popular for doing the old crop top and planting D1 guys into the ground, which is pretty sweet. But that's all we've got for today's podcast. I appreciate y'all listening. We've got uh, Trace Jeffries, one of our newest Division One Rejects athletes, sponsored athletes, joining the show uh, for Tuesday's episode. So definitely stick around and tune in for that. But otherwise, make sure to follow us, man. Subscribe. Keep running those numbers up. I appreciate you all very much for tuning in. Excited for this season to get started.